Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 13 of the Chasing Better Every Day podcast. Uh, so this is part two of the podcast. We split this into two because it was such a meaty topic. Uh, but I'm again joined by Declan Morgan. And if you haven't listened to the, the episode 12, go back and listen to it before uh, listen to this. We're literally just going to pick up where we left off. Uh, in the last episode, we chatted uh, about how, to, how a club player or county player, for that matter, can make the most of their offseason. And we've went really in the weeds in terms of physical preparation. Uh, it all marries together in terms of looking at the, the other two facets. But the other two facets, uh, when, when Declan laid them out, were uh, technical and tactical. Uh, so we're going to dive straight in. Uh, and when we're looking at this now, Declan, Declan, have you any preference in terms of which you would like to look at first? Um, not really. I think they're both, you could you could marry both together pretty pretty easily like to be honest because um if you're technically as a corner forward let's say for example or if, well i always say corner forward like there's no such thing really anymore to be honest it's only really for the boys that make the program uh one to 15 for those things but if you're a forward who is going to be up front most of the time and expect relied on to get scores you know what's what skills? What's your top five skills? You know that you need you need to have there. Like if if you would rate them in terms of importance, I could say five. You could probably say five different. Conleth. Somebody else could say five different. A cornerback or a defender who marks them could rate them differently. So there's a lot of different things in there. But uh, we'll probably go. We'll probably go technical. Technical first, to be honest, Conleth, because you know you're you're just out of a season and you're. You're probably divulging uh, things that you did in terms of te- uh, technical skills and things like that throughout the season. Yeah, uh, I think I think probably the well, you never know. There might be a few people uh, watching to, to see how better Mark uh, next year. I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. So um, I, I don't, I don't mind divulging uh, a, a little bit, but we can we can take examples because I've had conversations with friends from. The, from Hagel with friends from other clubs uh, with an Antrim with an Armagh uh, Tyrone like Clance and like Derry uh, and me and, and different places that are working on their on their actual skills and it's one and it's one of the things that we'll try and we'll try and more like I kind of when I'm working with a client I like to know from a GA standpoint what actual skills are you looking to improve? And th- just tell me that. Uh, I don't know much about how your team lays out, how your role fits into the team, and I can't really, di- I can't really discuss that. But if you can tell me a few skills, you're like, these are the ones I really want to work on, then I can kind of marry that into your pitch condition sessions and give you a few ideas of how you might be able to do that. So if we go, if we go more into into the technical uh, first of all, and I think. Like you had said the last time, like really when you break you know, football down, uh, it comes down to about 25, 30 skills uh, yep. just repeated in different variations in different ways. And I think yep. I think that's something that when you said it, I made a note and went, do you know what? That's 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 probably textbook decky uh, and that that's just bringing a lot of simplicity to an area where people are complicated. Like very lot. Yes, we can get into the weeds, but really at the, at the helm of it, can you actually execute those skills well? And then what you've said there now, positionally, what are the skills you're going to rely on most? Uh, if you're uh, inside forward, you're going to be trying to ball win. You're going to be trying to 
beat your man. If you're ball winning, that's going to be including in your movement patterns before and your run patterns before in how you're actually approaching the run, your ability to hold the man off. When you gain possession, how well can you trap the ball and decision-make in terms of are you looking to offload the ball? Are you looking to slow the pace of the game down? Are you looking to get an arm over uh, and attack at the goal or attack for a point? Are you shooting uh, off either foot? Are you looking for a hand pass or even a foot pass? So really, when you like when you when you take a, an instance of a game, it's probably it's easier maybe for inside inside forwards and inside defenders to really probably compartmentalize them into specific skills. But really, if you look yourself and say, "Well, where, where, what am I doing?" Uh, so let's let's take because we probably we've looked at inside forwards and inside defenders. Let's look at. Uh, like and everyone plays so differently. Let's look at a midfield player, and we'll take a midfield player for for example here and say, right, we're going to be looking at technical uh, and looking at how we're going to be looking at the, the skills. Uh, what would you be saying to uh, a young midfielder or an or a an older midfielder looking to make the most of their off season? Yeah, uh, probably. Like you, you know, you give a list of skills there for an inside forward. Uh, one thing that you didn't mention, Connell, which I'm quite disappointed with, is uh, looking for a sweaty and a wee goal straight away. <laughs> I, 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 hey, uh, that, that was one thing you said. You're like not to divulge too much, so I said I'm not going to divulge. <laughs> uh, anyone uh, wants to know what a sweaty yeah, is, they can fuck you, off. You know, yeah. you know, like goals. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, no, a midfielder like uh, modern game midfielder like. We touched on earlier, or the last bit of it, physical. Like so, you know, you could you park all that for a for a midfielder uh, in terms of their how physical they are, how mobile they are. Um, you know, the game's all about pace mobility nowadays. A midfielder has to be probably like let, let's get your photo fit of the perfect midfielder at the minute, Brian Fenton. You know, his pace and mobility is through the roof, right? So forget about that even in terms of that we're talking about technical now. Like, so what does he do better than most other players? Well, you know, his handling is immaculate. You know, his timing of his jumps is is out, out of this world. Now, he's aided by the best goalkeeper the GA has ever seen. Let's face it, you know, yeah. to put a ball in the plate for him, for him in terms of kickouts and things like that. So I'm not saying that <laughs> that was easy what he did. But he had a queer leg up uh, to start off, start off there because he was getting fired the bullets from Cluxon. So that was brilliant for his. But then his his movement and his decision making in terms of knowing when to go, when to get his runs going, is is outstanding. You know the amount of times that he just takes the ball on the move without even having to get get out of the or you know on in the air or off the ground, and then. As an actual ball player, like he's he's phenomenal. He's two footed. He's he's obviously big and strong. His physical condition is massive, but his his two footed, his ball handling, he can shoot, he can score. So, like you've given a midfielder an awful lot of jobs there. Not every midfielder in the country is going to do that, you know, because you might be the midfielder in a team that's the plus one. So you're you have a completely different remit there. Yes, you'll be looking to pick up kickouts. Yes, you'll be looking to link up a bit of play, but you know your job really there is to cover and tackle. You know, so you have a different skill set from maybe the Rolls Royce that's playing beside you. You know, you're the old dog for the hard road, so you know your tackling skills is going to have to be, uh, or you know, in, in terms of that, it's going to have to be magnificent. You know, you can't afford to give away fouls away in that position, otherwise you're not going to be playing that position for very much longer. Somebody else is going to be doing it for you. So, 
so midfielders have an awful lot to do. You know, the old style midfielder of catch, kick, and all the rest of it is gone. The, uh, you know, every position in the pitch is different now. Like, you know, look at goalkeeping, for example. Uh, what goalkeepers are expected to do compared to even five years ago. You know, that's went through the roof. Um, so a midfielder, if you were going to break it down, I would say they had about seven or eight really highly valuable skills that they have to execute well every game, every time they go to do it. You know, so uh, a young aspiring midfielder, if they've got physically, if they've got the tools first, then you would, you know, if I was picking a team, let's say I went into a team for pre-season, never seen them before, I would be looking around physically for three or four midfielders to start with who may who might not necessarily have played midfield before because yeah. of the way the game has gone. So it might be like that guy there used to play full back first, but he's quick and he's mobile, right? He's going to play midfield now. He's our plus one. So that's a, that's a loaded question. There's a lot of different answers yeah. you could give for that. Yeah. No, and I, I think that's the probably midfield's potentially the, the most difficult, but midfield or maybe like a wing half. Uh, it's potentially the, the, the most difficult question because so much depends on how is the team set up, what is that, what is their specific role, uh, and it comes back to the same thing of where where are you lacking, uh, and where where are you falling down, and where like do you have some simple low hanging fruit? Uh, and I think I think just a, a wee bit of like that honest review of your of your and being able to just neutrally look at your season and take criticism, criticism, but not only that, seek it out. Uh, and you you had mentioned like a few things about this. Maybe we'll touch it now, or if you want to circle back around to it. But that ability to not only sort of look look internally for criticism, but to seek externally to your yeah. to your actually to your coaches or to those around you or your teammates that know you best. Like nobody knows you better. I, I would argue at times nobody knows you better than your teammates because they see you play, and they're probably the best people to give you criticism if you can take it. It'll normally be loaded with a bit of stick as well, but in the same hand, there'll be there'll be a gem of well, actually, like yes, they're joking on it, but really, that's there's an error truth in that there. Like yeah. you're fucking slow as Christmas. And you're like, well, <laughs> yeah, well, like that's it's, I can yeah. you can see how that one jumped the mind for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, my 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 uh, my uncle used to coach us, and he used to have a lovely phrase that uh, your pace is deceptive. You're slower than you look. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's yeah, a, that's a, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I know I'd agree with that. Um, if you're, if you could t- get, you know, some sort of feedback from your from your closest allies, which is obviously the guys that you play with, uh, I would put one thing on it: don't ask for it after ten pints or out in a session somewhere, because uh, you may not be going to hear there. <laughs> Best to do it over a coffee, maybe or something like that. Uh, but no, we we talked about this last week about you know. Uh, and you, you mentioned it at the start, Conneth, about the access you have to coaching now compared to whenever I was playing. And one of the big things for me is, you know, a big, ma- a massive part of my coaching is uh, working on working on uh, you know feedback with players and and analysing our performance and analysing the opposition's performance. And now, uh, I, I wouldn't be talking out of school whatsoever because any setup I'm in, this would happen in that we would be heavily reliant on video analysis and said you last week that you know a, a big thing would be to improve on your game is to go and seek uh, 
video analysis feedback because a lot of times, just we're all the best well in the world when you're coaching a team, uh, you're trying to do video analysis that covers 30 odd players or that's driven for 30 odd players, let's say for a squad in terms of you've got a game, you had a game last week and now you've got a game next Sunday and you've got to, you've got to pick the most important parts out of it where you can make a game that week. But during this off season, if you had a coach who was staying with you or even, you know, who was leaving but had had access to all that footage, you know, I would seek them out and I would ask them for feedback and I would ask them for clips. Now, I know, Conleth, we did it for you there over this last few days and we sent you a few clips of some of the skills that you were doing, like, you know, winning a ball, receiving a ball. Even one of the clips we put in is, is one of them was um, sitting in the middle of a, a, the opposition kickout and, you know, being in that pocket, being in that pocket of space and boxing off a kickout. But then, you know, that's a skill. You know, to me, that's a skill. That can be a really learned skill for Gaelic footballers. Like 20 years ago, you wouldn't have thought about that. 10 years ago, you wouldn't have thought about that. Now, that's a skill for for forwards. You know, if a forward doesn't have that in his weapon or in his arsenal, that he's able to, you know, take instruction and do that in some in a in a, in a game scenario. Then, you know, he's he's under pressure in terms of his position. But you know, getting feedback from a coach and especially something like video feedback, uh, especially you know that. The coach gives it to you. You can keep watching it. You can keep looking at it. You know, you can refer back to it throughout the season and go, "Well, I got a very, I got a video of our last game there, and that's the one I got six months ago." Look at the difference. You know, it's a massive, massive thing um, for me. If I was still playing, I would be hungry for this sort of stuff. Really hungry for it. And um, I don't think you'd be stepping on a coach's toes if you asked them for it. I think. A coach, anybody coaching the team, if they had players who were coming and asking for that, especially during the off season when things are a bit quieter and there's time to do it, you know, if if I was staying on with the team, I would be loving it. I would be thinking, well, look at these guys here, hungry for information, want to learn, want to get better, want to review their own skills, and want to get better at them. Yeah, and that's like it's that seeking out of of feedback, seeking out of criticism. And I think the one of the big things that, because I, I think we'd actually, we'd have this conversation of, and it, it, even seeking out for the video footage was something that didn't even pop into my head, even though we've spent a season getting, getting yeah. our games recorded. That that actually never entered my head. And just just because it, it didn't, it wasn't something that popped up. Uh, and one of the things I was going to do was I was going to maybe ask yourself, ask the other management uh, and ask a few of the other players, right? Where do you think I need to improve most? If I, if you were me, where would you be looking to spend most of your time, or what's the pain points you see in my game? Because I've got three or four months here, and I can go in. At the minute, it was in that conversation that you went, "Well, there's video footage, so like, and yeah. there's something different about reflect, like retrospectively, whether somebody giving you criticism, like that can all be loaded with some people's like where whether where they think your role is or what specifically they thought you should be doing in an actual situation relative to the game and that's all clouded by bass. When you see yeah. a video uh, and accumulation of like what you've been doing and, and making your games, like it's very easy to point out and just look at yourself as if you're watching uh, a club game or like a or a county game around, around the country and you're going, ah like why, why did they do that that way? Or see when I done that, if I had have approached it this way and if I had been able to get a cut on as opposed to cutting back inside, if I had been able to cut around and take an extra half second, whatever it is, you've got yep. so much high quality data to work with there so that you can review it 
look at it over and over again and there's nowhere to hide when you're looking at video footage there is nowhere to hide you can see like am I a kind am I a player that would look out of place in that team or am I someone that is like do you, how how do you see yourself on that team and then visually when you watch yourself you're like would you, are you a player that you would pick I think yeah. that's 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 a that's a harsh thing to think because sometimes the answer is no. Uh, yeah. Like we've we've had this conversation before, even about my own performances. Where I say if I was a player, if I was a manager, I wouldn't pick myself at certain elements because there's times where you're not playing or you're not executing the skills as well, and you can see when you're doing it wrong. But you can also look and see, oh well, that's it done right. That was the times when I had done it right. It's not about just picking out those times where you were shite. It's about picking out the times that, like that's what I can do. Those were examples of things that went really well that I need to double down on. Yeah. I think it just with the video, like it's it's just such a good tool that if I was staying on with a team, for example, this winter, um, just the nature of teams that I'm working on or was working with yourselves last last year. Uh, but if I you know, stayed on with like, for example, the down under twenties, it's a wee bit different because you're coming in with a new squad next year, you've only got five or six days left. So if I was staying on with a team, you know, building on from season one to season two, I would be sitting down. I know a lot of teams will be doing this anyway. You know, the manager and coaches will be sitting down meeting players individually. But I would have, I, me personally, I would have that video ready to rock for them, you know, of three or four minutes of like, here's, here's the things that we really wanted you to do that you did really well. Um, here's the things that you weren't doing so well. And this is what you need to work on next year and giving them something, you know, obviously giving them that praise, but giving them something to aim for, you know, that right, if you can improve in this next year, then you're really, you know, taking your game on to another level. And just personally speaking, if, if teams aren't doing that at the minute, I just think mm, you've missed a trick. If you're a player and you've wasted, not wasted the four months, you might have went away working on physical stuff, which is, like we've talked about that in the previous thing 100% fine if that's what you want to work on but if you didn't get a wee bit of feedback there of something like this when you had access to it for me you've missed like you keep on it which is a good term for it low hanging fruit you've missed something for me uh, every single year you could physically get stronger every single year let's 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 real, think about it realistically you know if you were an 18-year-old kid breaking into the senior team, you would get stronger year on year. No problem. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Like, even yeah. doing minimal work, you would do that. But if you were an 18-year-old kid breaking into the senior team and you wanted to see what the established senior players were doing as opposed to what you're doing in terms of performance, you know, you're not going to get many opportunities to get that when you're 18, 19, 20 to really bang. That's something that takes your game very quickly to another level. I think that's right, and I think just when you were talking about that, it came into my head probably the the first thing that a young player coming into a senior setup is going to do is look at the physical, because that, that probably is the, the, like when you feed the crown baby first, the physicality yeah. of an 18-year-old coming into a senior team is the crown baby. That's the thing where yeah. your skills are probably on par or, or doing really well, but they probably need to spend the guts of two or three years really building themselves up so physically they look like a mature athlete that can contend in sort of like senior uh, football but I think then that's probably where there's this then it becomes well that's what I do in the off season that's what I should be doing yeah. and initially if you think about what drove you to really push on get into the gym and to start it's because it was the, the grand baby it was because that was the thing that needed to be addressed in order for you to have 
maximum value for minimum effort. Like if we're looking yep. to see, you've only got a certain amount of time uh, for your off season, so you need to physically see where, like, where are you? You need to see where am I? Where can I improve next year? And a lot of the time for people, that's physical. Whether that they need to be fitter, whether they need to shift a few pounds, whether they need to be faster. Yep. Uh, and then people would generally neglect a lot of the skill and the technical and the tactical stuff uh, in the off season. I think even myself. My hold my hands up. Very, very guilty of this here. And and my job is as a physical coach. I'm there to get people fitter, like stronger, leaner, whatever it is. And naturally, with that, that that becomes there comes a bias of oh, well, I think that's really, really useful. And I think the, the best example that I could give this to people would be I have, as I said before in the last podcast, I had four years out of football. Four years that I was in the gym four, five times a week, most of the time getting very strong, getting like holding really good leanness, would have been fit. Came back into football after four years and it was like playing a different sport. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> Simple skills, catching, shooting, the positional awareness had fell away. And it was such a, oh my God, like I, I automatically sort of thought I could just play this. These skills are just, they're there, but but they're not. They're, they're just, they're the exact same as the strength, as that muscle memory. It, it needs to be executed in order to, and just the same way that the, the skill, just the same way that you can build strength, build, like get a little bit fitter, get a little bit faster, you can get more skillful. You can improve your reaction times. You can improve your decision-making uh, at, at high sort of high speeds, at high velocities. All of those things are opportunities to improve. So if you've went and reviewed and said, you know what, physically I'm actually pretty fit and pretty strong. Like I'm in, I'm in yeah. a decent neck, but I think, there's a, I think I need to focus on thing, and that's probably the area I myself have found myself in. That it's my job to be in good shape, so I'm in good shape. I'm fit yep. and strong. I could be probably fitter and faster, but for me, it's a technically, tactically, right? Where where can I see this improvement? And I think there's the nature of the last few years with so many people getting them trained. Like looking around, probably our team. There's a good, there's a good base of players. You're like you're you're physically where you need to be. Like you don't really need like. Few need to get a little bit bigger. Few need to get a little bit stronger. Few faster. Few fitter. Like any team, but you're looking around, going the pace of people. Do you know what? User like everyone's physically close to where they need to be. Yeah. So where where are we going to spend our time now? Like how how are you going to use that time? Yeah, I think I think um, the game the game of Gaelic football now is quite cerebral in terms of ten years ago. It was still very much maybe one tactic fits all in terms of how teams play it you know 20 years ago very little tactics let's face it uh, and you know right now the game is played uh, every game like when I'm analysing teams and you're coming up against teams every team's like a wee puzzle you know oh they're doing that might take you two or three videos to work it out and go ah oh, see now I see what they're doing and it takes you a wee while to work it out so as a player I think today's players have to be more intelligent than they were certainly were 10 years ago, 20 years ago. There's no doubt about that because there's far more tactics involved in Gaelic football right now. And if a player, if a player is not on that wavelength, let's say when they're 18, 19, 20, when you've got them at that first couple of years, senior football especially, if you get them into those habits of like seeking out that information, thinking about the game, thinking about their own game and their own skills, if you get them the same as you're saying, Colin, 18, 19, 20, every other preseason, they're going into the gym and they're working hard on that. If you get them into the habit of doing that, then it becomes a habit and their preseason becomes 
physical, tactical, technical. Every year they're getting better. Every year they're getting better in terms of those things. But if you, uh, for a young player who might be listening to this at the minute and going, well, I really want to get bigger and bigger and stronger. Brilliant, happy days. But if you are not in that mindset now of trying to seek out that information, like you might, you might be a first year senior player who never really played much senior football this year. You might have trained with the team an awful lot. You might have got an awful lot of training and absorbed an awful lot of information, but you might not have got an awful lot of game time. My advice to you would be going and speaking to the coaches and looking for clips of the guys that played in the position that you think you should be playing in and saying, right, could you show me why they were... No, show me that player and looking at it and saying, right, that's what he's doing. That's what they see in him because that's what they give me. So that's what I need to do. But that's a like you say, that's a big ask for a young player. That's a big ask for an older player. You know, let's face it, somebody at the end of their career who might think, right, well, I've been around the block here. I know I've I've my couple of championship medals there laying in the sock drawer and all the rest of it, and I'm I'm, I'm going to see this out for another year because we have a new manager in or whatever, or you know, or my my nephew's playing the team or something, and I want to play football him or whatever your motivation is to keep going, but. Like those guys as well might be thinking, well, you know, I've, I've cracked it. I don't need to ask for that information when probably they do because the players that are coming in under them, the 18, 19, 20 year olds are going to be far fitter. They're going to be far, not stronger maybe, but they're going to be fitter. They're going to be faster. They might have been exposed to an underage county setup or school setup or something like that that had access to all these things and they're just a wee bit cuter in what they're doing. So, for every every player and every squad, I would my biggest bit of advice in this part of the podcast is go and get that information. And like, I wouldn't be I would not cure if you offended somebody because at the end of the day, it's your career. It's an extremely short one, as as we we're talking about there. When you finish football, playing football at twenty eight, uh, you know it's too short to waste time on a waste of preseason on something that you might already be doing well. Yeah, and I think like you've. I've made a few notes there on what you were saying because there's quite a lot to unpack, but I think you've hit the nail on the head. And what I would probably add to that is that that sort of environment of everyone seeking out feedback and that can basically that that continuous improvement environment, like a Jason word that like would literally lean the or gym after the process of like consistent and con- continuous and gradual improvement. Find a small thing, improve it find another small thing, improve it, and repeat that process over and over and over again to, to bring you to your new place. But in terms of like a team, if you're like if you're one of the 98, 99% of club players that whose team didn't walk away with like with their aim with silverware at the yeah. end of the year, now it's now it's like, right, well, what do you need to do? And often the like often the 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 like the main goes to physical things where I need to get fitter, I need to get faster. I would argue a lot. A lot of people. This is areas that it needs to be ingrained. Even if you just need to get a lot fitter, a lot faster, there still needs to be elements of you practicing your technical and your tactical sides of it and trying to develop those. That environment of I want feedback. I want to find out what I done wrong. That sort of mm-hmm. open to that that environment and that what's cultures are very overused word in Gaelic, and yeah. sometimes it's a wee bit like it's a wee bit like airy furry. But that's sort of like that. It's hard to say. Like culture for me, it's like you're like it's what what are the team's core values and are they actually executing them? 
Like, are they actually, like, people might say that this is something the team values, but are they fucking doing it? Like, are they actually going and do it? And it's a positive feedback loop. It's like the opposite of a vicious cycle. That it, if you can get five, yeah. six, seven players doing that there, and the young players are coming in, and that's the, t- the players where they're looking at, they're going, fuck, I need to do that. And if the young players are doing it, now some of the older players, it's like a shit my place isn't taken for granted. Uh, like, it, it's not taken for granted. So, like, I, I need to actually, I need to be going and doing this here because... Young Jim, young John, like whatever it is, is coming in behind me and he's in my position. Like, and do you know what? Physically, he's a wee bit behind, but like I've seen him in the gym a whole lot and he's going in the gym all the time. So he's closing the gap there. I need to go. And and I think that was probably probably one of the things that that we seen this year. And again, probably we're probably not talking out of school. I don't think anybody's position on the Hagel team this year was ever certain. There was different stages where everybody was included or excluded, and it was even for me playing like playing football for like a long time. It was the first year where I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I am fighting tooth and nail to try and make sure that I get yeah. because there's literally four fellas here that are chomping at the bit, and I'm looking at them going, "Fuck!" Like them boys would take, and maybe they weren't taking my place, but somebody else's place was getting taken, and it was so it was so tight, and but it was great to be a part of in the same yep. sense because you're going right this is that is that in action and how do you take that further if you've got young players coming through like those that are the the span like most of the team but those who consider themselves to be the senior senior whether that's their leader leader players or whatever need to set the tone for those young players coming through and set the standard of this is what we do like we take a shout out of each other we ask for like feedback and we take it openly and we're not afraid to sort of like search out those areas uh, to improve. Like I think, I think there's, there's so much there and there's, there's even more that we could probably go into. Like one of the things we'll probably even within the, that, like the, the video stuff we had sort of said before goes in more into the tactical in terms of, mm-hmm. yes, there's skill elements to it, but it's more like positionally, what are you doing? What can you do better? Uh, but then even like specifically looking at skills and we were on the phone last week, we were chatting about, uh, in in the past, working with a club uh, and them getting getting involved uh, in a competition in the off season, I thought it was a great story. So, do you want to talk about that? I just um, the the they had a wee they had like a wee skills circuit and um, they did it before training. And you know they they uh, you know um, digressing into one other when you're talking about skills, they had a wee skills circuit before training that involved the shooting thing. So they right. did that every training session before, before they actually started training. So they had this wee skills and shooting circuit, and uh, there was a fierce bit of competition in that. But then you know, going going off in the off season and doing you know, doing some other sport like um, I was working years ago with Savile up in County Down, and they have their big handball club, and they had guys who were playing handball in the off season, uh, and they had like an internal league for them, and they all played them. And they all took part in it, and it, like different divisions, I think they had, like six, seven different divisions, the amount of people that they had in it. But you know, playing something like handball for you know uh, coordination, movement patterns, fast feet, agility work, you know, things like that, unbelievable. When I I watched them, watched it, there's a big you know a lot of these handball clubs, the big glass sort of squash court almost where you could sit and watch it through. It was unbelievable, like the skill level of some of the lads and how fit it number one it kept it kept them over the winter and it kept them together and then obviously the other benefits they had in terms of those sort of you know motor skills like coordination and things like that was was unbelievable 
And, you know, that's always struck me as something that, you know, Gaelic footballers, you know, maybe they go away and play a bit of soccer because they were used to playing soccer, which is brilliant. Happy days, away you go, you know, keep keep doing those things if that's what you do. But, you know, even even trying to refine your skills, like, you know, uh, during, during lockdown last year, we were asking the down lads to go away uh, with a ball and a wall. And, you know, even if they were on their own, you know, and doing wee skills drills against the wall almost, like, you know, that's easy done if you're if you're on your own or if you if you can't partner up or if you live you're living away from home or something like that there, you know, you could go quite easily and do that somewhere. So it's just trying to be creative and finding a finding something like that that's different to your sport, but similar at the same time. You know, and that's that's probably the key to it and doing something that's not radically different from your sport, but gives you the same sort of wee skills, the same sort of movement patterns. Yeah, and and I think the hand, and like that handball uh, one is fantastic. And I think you can just imagine the the condition but the hand eye, I think that's probably one of the first things that you see when people sort of saying getting your getting your touch back or getting your yeah. handling back. It's the first thing you see you see people coming back and we had a had a conversation as well about hurling and how within hurling there is a culture of yeah. You work on your skills outside of it. You're, it's expected. Yeah. It's it's automatically expected that you're out in a, like a handball alley uh, doing wall doing, doing wall balls, hitting either side, like hitting like what what doing trying different things, but just really ingrained in that skill. And I don't know who I don't know who who had said I don't know if it was a coach or if I heard someone say before. It's basically you come to tra- if you're coming to training, you come to training with your skills sharpened. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. You don't come to training to work on your skills. Like you, training is not about you improving your individual skills. You go away in yourself, like on your own, independently, or in your twos and threes, work on those things, and then come to try and see how you can fit those skills into a team game. And I think that's a that's a very nice way to sort of say it. Of right, well, what skills? When you look at those list of 25, 30 skills, what ones can I practice with a ball uh, on a wall myself? What ones can I practice with me and my mate? Uh, whatever it is and there's there's actually like when in the last few last few months especially i've seen quite a few even instagram pages of different people that are analysts or ga coaches and different things putting up videos and some of the drills are fantastic yeah. i'm not even sure the name but I'd seen one and it was getting out basically a bit of winter training and really what they were doing they were doing non-contact tackling which i thought was fucking funny like but it was actually a really good drill it was it was fun work for tackling and it was a wee bit of agility. It was a man with a ball rolling at a person, changing angle, and the man had to stand with his hands behind his back, back paddling, yeah. but basically yeah. keep his chest in close to the ball. And I thought it was like such a good drill because even when, when you look at tackling, footwork's never spoken about to a large yeah. degree. And it's it's most of what tackling's about. It's been keeping your man in front of you. Uh, yeah. And that, that's really what it is. But there's, there's drills everywhere. There's resources everywhere. Uh, I've seen different people. I don't know. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Ray Boyne is on Instagram. His videos are quite good. Is he going? Oh yeah, yeah. Calm, yeah. calm now. Like Ray Boyne's a wee bit more sort of tactical in terms of maybe yep. like videos of Dublin and stuff. He's fantastic. Yep. Calm Nally, I think, is another one, and it's quite like, quite a lot of drills. There's, there's different guys everywhere doing stuff like that. It's, it's fantastic. But is there any? Is there anything within the, those skills? Do you like? Do you know what this was? This was really good. Um. I think uh, uh, just when it was in your head, you were talking there about skill work and things like that there. What just popped into my head was um, years ago, whenever Marty Clark went off to Australia, uh, 
you know, when he was playing for Collingwood, the BBC went out and did a documentary on him. So I don't know where you would find that, to be honest. Uh, but a big part of the documentary was Marty, and he would, you know, a good friend of mine, he would tell you himself if he was on this now about how much practice he had to put in with the oval ball as compared to the round ball. Like, you know, absolute, absolute genius with a, with a, with a round ball, like, and then turned himself into a set, you know, it, He'd probably be too modest to say it, but he was he was unbelievable at, at Aussie Rules. He had a career there for, what, seven, eight years? You know, probably unheard of for Irish guys doing it. But in the documentary, he was walking around Melbourne all the time with the AFL ball, everywhere he went. So it reminded me like a wee bit of whenever you see the wee boys, you know, at the hurling matches. And as soon as the as soon as soon it's half time or whatever, they're flying off, you know, flying over the fence with the hurls. And... There's that famous picture of the is it St Kieran's in Kilkenny, St Kieran's College, and they're all uh, in the school mass, but outside the school mass instead of school bags, there's like five hundred hurls sitting against the wall. <laughs> you know, they just carry it everywhere. It's like an extension of their arm. So Marty would tell you that that skill wise, he just he just lived with the ball. He just never had it out of his hands. He just had to upskill himself so quickly. It was either that or go home on the plane. Like, you know, it was just he had no choice in the matter. And Skills wise, he was just at it all the time, twenty four seven with that ball. Like so, you know, think of other other sports like a golfer when the when there's bad weather, you know, over the winter, and you know, you maybe not getting as I'm not a golfer, but I know people that golf maybe not getting as much golfing in as they can. They're in a driving range or they're in practicing putting and things like that. They're always doing their skills. Whereas Gaelic footballers. I think a lot of times, like we get caught up too much in the physical in the off season. Like we must train hard, train hard, train hard. Um, our school is is a big GA school in the Red High uh, hurling and football. Our hurlers are in a McGeehan A semi final on Friday night, so they're training alongside our footballers. And there's two pitches, and one of the pitches is slightly higher up than the other. You know, like built in the hill. Yeah. And if you stand between the two pitches and watch the two training sessions. There's, there's a, there is a notable notable difference in that the hurlers spend so much more time skills wise, uh, you know, practicing their touch off both sides, striking back and forward, you know, all the other things. I'm not that big in I'm not that big into hurling coaching that I would know all the the various terms. So I'm not going to embarrass myself, embarrass myself <laughs> by saying anything. But uh, then you look down at you know our our footballers training and it's a lot more intense, a lot more you know maybe tactical. If, if that's the right way to describe it, compared to the the skills sort of refinement that they're doing in the hurling, so I would definitely say if you're a hurler and you're listening to this, you'll hopefully be agreeing with what we're saying. Going, yeah, that sounds about right. That you know, uh, footballers are spending a lot more time doing other things as opposed to their skills when they could be closing a gap or getting some of that low hanging fruit of upskilling themselves a wee bit more, just on maybe. Maybe something's as simple as my, my, you know, and, and I hate to say it, my left side or my right side, my weak side's not good, or you know, my catching's just not good. You know, something as simple as your catching ball in the wall, catching the ball. You know how many times I remember whenever I was growing up, me and my older brother uh, went on a streak of nearly three years where we didn't, where every day went by for nearly three years where it wasn't a day went by where we didn't touch football. Yeah. So we we actually <laughs> marked it up. On a wee thing, you know, when we were like, I remember this vividly, we were about 10, 11, 12, this took place. So he had to touch the ball every day at some stage. But that's like, that's probably the thing that when you're younger, that's what you've done. Like, I think uh, I would have probably would have played soccer and would have played Gaelic, but 
I like because I was in the middle of the countryside, and if I wanted to go to see my friends, my ma had to bring me to <laughs> see him and bring my yeah. home. Like I was, I was out, out in the like out, and it wasn't to be trusted to walk down the road. I was probably too young to do that, so it was a matter of going out the back here with the ball, and I was either kicking it against the wall or I was playing keepy up, like keepy uppies and doing fucking skills yeah. like soccer with it. And it came to the point where like you were doing some ones and, and like messing around at school or with football, and they're like. I'm centre back, like I'm fucking, like I'm not not a person to be doing skills if I was playing soccer. And people yeah. are like, why, why can you do that there? And I'm like, because I've spent about, about five thousand hours out the back on my own, and I have nothing else to do. And I think yeah. that's something that definitely gets lost as time goes on with Gaelic players, but not, or sorry, with football players, but not as much with hurling players. Hurling players seem to always have a hurling in their hand, and it kind of falls away. Yeah. Where there's maybe a wee bit of. Uh, I don't want to be like acting a young fella walking around. I would walk around the house like my sister will sort of tell you she's fucking throwing remotes, throwing everything at me saying, when you stop fucking bouncing that ball, I'd be <laughs> walking around the house bouncing, bouncing ball about. Uh, and I've actually kept the ball but I'm in the, my office now and have like I have a, like, a yellow ball behind me and I try to do it now. But it's funny that it has to be, It's a. it was a natural programming for so long in my life, like you say, 10 to, yeah. 10 to 12, 10 to 3, 4 years, whatever it is, out with the ball every day. Where now you're like, oh, and one of the funny things that, that I sort of said to people with that is like, it's play, like it's enjoyable. It's that thing where you don't notice time going in when you do it. It's not a, like you think of, and then as much as like, you know, we're recorded two podcasts in terms of how people can, like how foul, how people in an amateur sport can get better next year. And there'll be quite a few people who listen to it and be writing down stuff and going, oh, well, this is what I'm going to go away and do. And I think at times we, we maybe sometimes forget that the, that the enjoyment aspect of it is the is the driver it's the thing that sort of gets you into it initially and sometimes sometimes it falls away but i think sometimes like going out with a mate kicking the ball about going out with yourself kicking the ball like practicing something over and over and over again and the next thing's an hour's gone so i think that's one thing that i would say to people that like get get a ball in your hand have a bit of crack get creative play with it like pick that point on the wall and say if i don't hit that point in three shots my family's gonna Dave, you're saying, <laughs> do you ever see Kim Bridges talking about that? Yeah. He says, if I, can't, if I can't hit that post with this rocket, my whole family says, he's odd. He's calling you in for dinner and you go on shit, mom, trans everybody's life. So it's like stupid, stupid stuff like that there that you're, like you do when you're younger, you create these scenarios, you're creative yeah. with all the stuff. But like that could be, that could easily be integrated, could easily be done uh, and kept going. And I think one thing, I probably would, would think as massive is when you see a team that does that kind of together where even in the off season nobody's really pushing them, maybe nobody's really expecting anything of them. And the lads are still here within the gym today, going to the pitch today, doing this here. Lads, does yeah. anyone want to go uh, heading tomorrow afternoon for a run, for a kicker bike, whatever it is, who wants to go and two or three fellas rock up? I think that sort of element of go and do it. But if you're like if you're gonna go and do it that can also be a positive step where you're like bring other players in with you because if your trend, if your goal is next year to lift silverware, yes, you getting better is going to help you get there, but pulling along two, three yep. other, four, four other fellas into that sort of habit and into that loop, it's going to help you massively. And that's probably, that's probably the side of the off season that there's bigger opportunities for. There's probably better people than us uh, to talk about it. And it's, it's, I think in terms of, team building, culture building, all that stuff. It can be like I know you maybe maybe you have thoughts on that there. I think it can be a wee bit early furry and woo woo. 
a lot of the time, but a lot of but there's an error of yeah. there's value to it. Yeah, um, that's a real hard one. Culture and an environment and all because everywhere is different and every every place has like the GA is a very unique organization in that every place in it or every team in it, let's say every parish has its own unique sort of identity and its own unique uniqueness, even though we'd like to say we're all the same. We're all GA people, all the rest of it, but we're all very, very different. You know, like who's who's the most famous team in the world in terms of their culture? The All Blacks. You know, everybody lauds them in terms of their culture. You know, but they've just lost two games in a row for the first time in a long time against teams they wouldn't expect this. So their culture now, everybody's going, what's going wrong with the All Blacks culture? That's what they're, you know, I was reading an article the other day about, couldn't believe it. Like, it was like, what, what the hell? Like, as if you're not allowed to lose a couple of games in a row, like, as if it's yeah. against the rules. But uh, no, I, I think culture, you could, you could write several books on it and all the rest of it. But I think it all comes down to, Culture is how people treat each other and how people interact with each other. And if that's good, then culture is good. If people don't treat each other well or they don't interact with each other, then your culture is not really going to stack up and it's not going to be great, to be honest. So you could, like you say, be very furry and put a lot of terms on it. And there could be a quite more experts than us to put some sort of psychological terms on it of, of what makes it. But, you know, if you're treating in my mind, if you're a good person, if you treat people with respect, if you interact well with people, then you're halfway there to building a good culture. Yeah, I think I'm 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 aware that it's a it's a very loaded question, and there's there is no right answer in whatever uh, whatever way anyone approaches. But like, I, I wanted your thoughts on that because yeah, like, and you hit the nail on the head. I think it's just that simplify, just just be good, like try and pull people along, try and do what you can, and if yeah. you are all like. If, are you all paddling in the one direction? Like, and I think that that's the one thing I don't know who had heard that there. Like, I yeah, the All Blacks, yeah, like they're, they're not allowed to lose two games. But like no. it, that that speaks to the sort of the the what they've developed over the last what, 80, 100 years, whatever whatever it is that they're they're winning record. That if when you lose two games in a row, people are literally it's in the news. Like they lost two. How many other? teams ever or lose two games and people are like what's going wrong it's part and yeah. parcel of nearly everyone else's sort of like preparations but anyone that for me anyone that wants like is, has aspects of that that they kind of want to read into i think the uh, is it james cure uh, legacy the all blacks book is fantastic yeah. uh, it's a really good insight to it i don't think i haven't read or heard of anything for a team sport that comes close, just kind of yeah. encapsulating everything. And I think anyone that wants to get into that sort of element of what can a team do to get marginal gains and that thing, I think there's there's maybe low hanging fruit there. Well, I, th- I would say just knowing the knowing bits and pieces about the All Blacks that the response to losing those two games at the back end of a very tiring season next season would be phenomenal. The amount of the amount of like you know looking inside they're going to do over that. And the amount of things that they're not necessarily going to change and scrap it and start again, but the gains that they're going to get out of losing those two, two, well, probably I guess they're the only team in the world that I would back to come back better from losing two games than any other team. You know, Absolutely. some other team might scrap 10 players, rip up the coach, start again. They're not going to come back better, but you can rest assured that they're going to do something very spectacular on the back of it. 
Yeah, the the actual the legacy book starts with talking about the loss to England in the Rugby World Cup. Is that two thousand and three? Maybe. Yeah. They yeah. are this. Was it, I don't know if it was the semi or the final loss, but that's what the book starts with. With this, like yeah. how big of a disappointment it was that they only got to. I don't know if it was the semi final or the final, and not being basically a bit of a catalyst for like in the book, and it goes through that each player gets their own little black book of the sort of the fifteen codes. Yeah, for, uh, it was fantastic, fantastic book. Well, I'll not. I'll, it's been a, probably a good year and a half since I've, I've read it, so I'll, well, I'll not bother today. I think. What's going to be the response for for let's say Ireland's version of the All Blacks and the GA for losing this year, and the Dubs? You know what I mean? Yeah, so, similar thing. Expect expect ferocious backlash next year. Yeah, exactly. I think I'd actually I'd, I'd seen a few I'd seen a few different articles, and I'm always worried of getting banned too much into the reading anything. But you do see it. You're like, that's the you've somebody's woken the beast. Like that the oh yeah. the only the only got the I actually can't remember was it five or six. Many did they get? Uh, six. <laughs> six. Yeah, like, and you're like, yeah, hey, but, but and now it's like, ah, oh, we got to be a bit complacent. Like, we're, well, we got complacent. We we lost in the semi final after fucking six after six wins. It's like, oh, you've just woke the beast there. Like, you've yeah. you've just like something's going to happen. This and I think that was that's exactly what I was thinking as well. So yeah, I think yeah, we've probably we've done an hour and forty minutes in total across the the two episodes <laughs> across this year. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we're just about an hour and 40 minutes, so it'll be broken down in the two episodes. So, folks, uh, first of all, Daggy, thanks very much uh, for for joining me uh, and for giving so much of your time to go into this. It was really, really valuable. Uh, I'm sure that quite a few people will take a good bit away from it. But I suppose, is there anything that you would say important, or are you happy enough with, with what you put out there? Um, just, I'd say, physical ways, concentrating the things that you can improve. Stay away from the track. Don't get injured. <laughs> this, this probably is, is that one. Uh, technical, technical. You know, go go and seek advice from your coaches. Go and seek that video workout if you've got it. Go and seek that criticism, constructive criticism out if you can get it. And you know, don't take offence to it. You know, somebody if somebody's willing to give you that that criticism or that feedback, then it's obviously there to improve you. Uh, so try and try and get that in your off season, and you know your your skills ways working away in your skills, and just trying to trying to come back to pre from pre season or off season into pre season in the best possible shape. You know, in terms of the three things that we talked about, which isn't easy. It's there's no exact science that you might have made a gain in the in one thing out of three that you want to do, which is fair enough. You've still made a gain. Don't get caught up in it. Perfect. Yeah, nice, nicely summarised. Uh, folks, that is everything for today. Uh, Daggy, thanks very much for, for joining us today. Uh, yeah, folks, tune in uh, and let us know if you enjoyed that.